Hi, this is the Cancer Liberation Project podcast. If you've been touched by cancer and have some fear around remaining healthy, you are in the right place. As a 20-year-plus cancer survivor, Haley knows how unsettling it can be to not only hear the words, you have cancer, but also the uncertainty and fear that comes when you have been declared cancer-free. The Cancer Liberation Project was born out of Haley's desire to make cancer less scary for people, to give people hope that they can not only heal from cancer, but live their best, most vibrant life after cancer. Get ready to be inspired with your host, Haley Dubin. Hi, and welcome to the Cancer Liberation Project. Today, I sit down with Liz Curran. Liz was inspired to become a health coach after caring for her sister with an aggressive breast cancer diagnosis in 2014. She watched her sister struggle during treatment with feeling powerless to aid her own healing. During that time, Liz believed that there had to be a roadmap out there to guide people to play a stronger role in their health and healing. Liz believes radical remission is that roadmap. Liz received her certification from the Institute of Integrative Nutrition, as well as the National Board of Health and Wellness Coaches, and the Forks Over Knives plant-based online culinary school. She enjoys working as a holistic cancer health coach, certified radical remission workshop facilitator, and speaker. She is deeply inspired to empower others to find their voice and play an active role in their health and recovery without feeling alone. In addition to her role at the Health Navigators, Liz is a co-director at the Radical Remission Project, facilitating the coach training program, hosting the upcoming Stories That Heal podcast, and working to share the power of the 10 healing factors to overcome the odds of a diagnosis. I look forward to sharing my conversation with Liz. But before I do, just a couple things to mention. First, a reminder to head over to my website at revivewellness.com to get your free seven top tips to keep cancer away and feel confident in your body again. That's R-E-V-I-V-E wellness.com. And second, I wanna take a moment to thank the Carl Felt Center who makes the show possible. Hi, Liz. Welcome to the Cancer Liberation Project. I'm really looking forward to talking to you today. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to share. You know, I know during the intro, I mentioned why you got into this work. And I can relate to it so much because I know during my cancer journey 25 years ago, I felt like I had no control over my situation or my body. And, you know, I was wondering, did your sister express that to you or was that something you were feeling as a caregiver? It really came out more through just being in her presence at her doctor's appointments and her asking them different things that, you know, trying to find, is there something I can be doing at home or, you know, on my own? And just getting the standard response of, no, we've got you. It's okay. You can just, you know, go home, eat whatever. And, you know, there was no guidance on the lifestyle stuff that um, I didn't know much at all about anything outside of standard of care. So for me, I just had this kind of nagging, intuitive feeling that 
there had to be something else out there. And then when I learned, and we can share more, but when I learned about radical remission and um, the 10 lifestyle changes that came out of that research, it really was, that's why I say in my in my intro, my bio, that it, it's a roadmap. Um, I really do feel that it is a place for people to kind of get started when they have that feeling that they want to try to do something on their own as well to complement their treatment. Yes. Yes. That is so important. I mean, I, I talk to so many people, I know you do too, who just feel powerless, that there's nothing they can do. And that book just gives so much hope. And, you know, I'd love you just to talk and explain just the basis of that book. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So, uh, about, I don't know, going on 15, 20 years at this point, um, Dr. Telly, Kelly Turner was getting her PhD to become a doctor, a doctorate in oncology social work. And she decided for her thesis, she wanted to study spontaneous remissions because she was very frustrated that when she learned that that existed, that nobody was doing any research to find out how these people actually healed other than to just say it was spontaneous and then close the file and put it on the shelf. So she really wanted to know what they did. So she spent two years traveling around the world and interviewing spontaneous remissions and their healers and trying to learn and really get a sense of what it was that they did. And of course, she found it was not spontaneous at all. Um, and it was quite radical, the things that they were willing to do to try to heal. So she lovingly renames them radical remissions. And that is the word that we use today. So what she found in that research is there are 10 healing factors called healing factors in the research setting, 10 healing factors that are really lifestyle changes that all of these 1500 cases that she researched did toward their healing, um, their success in their healing. So to be able to find a commonality between all of these people was really, it was a, it was very exciting, essentially. And so when she put it out in a book, the book just took off. And the book is called Radical Remission. There's also a second book called Radical Hope. They're essentially similar ones, just an updated version. But um, but that's why that book became a New York Times bestseller, because everybody was so eager for this information. And she had continued the work for a long time, uh, doing workshops, trying to help people really kind of learn and understand how to implement these healing factors. And then after she created the workshop, then it became a point where people wanted coaching. So she started certifying health coaches. And that's kind of where I, I got into the mix in 2019. That's great. And I'd love to go into all that. I just first, if you wouldn't mind just going over the 10 healing factors, because I know the audience doesn't know much about, about this. Yes, absolutely. And I will say that I don't know that many will be surprising, but just keeping in mind that all spontaneous remissions or radical remissions that were researched, all of them did all 10 of these things. So to start out, we have physical, we have the exercise and movement factor, the diet, changing your diet factor. I'm happy to go into more detail on any of this as we go through. Um, all of them took some form of an herb or supplement that was uh, prescribed by a licensed practitioner. So someone that was kind of monitoring their um their herbs and sups. So that those are the three physical. And then we kind of get into that more mental and emotional. And they are um, having a spiritual connection. 
This is not something that is defined by religion, but just having kind of a sense that something there's something greater than ourselves out there. Um, empowerment. And that factor relates to, well, she likes to define it as becoming a bad patient or being the annoying patient who asks lots of questions and brings in all the research and is not afraid to challenge the protocol based on, you know, some, you know, just really trying to dig in and advocate for themselves. So that's our empowerment factor. Love that because you have to be an advocate for yourself, right? It's just, I felt like when I went through treatment, I mean, I constantly had to be on them, the doctors, nurses about everything. Yes. And yeah. And it just makes you feel that you are, that you do have some control back, you know? Right. Yeah. And having a voice in your healing and you have a right to ask questions. If someone's going to do something to, we only got one body. So if someone's going to do something to this body, um, you have a right to understand and ask questions and not feel dismissed. So that is a very common personality trait that does come with a big diagnosis. Um, So it's really important to have that uh, internalized feeling of empowerment that you are worthy and you are allowed to ask questions. You're just another human being in the room and you have every right to, to challenge that and have a conversation in a respectful way, of course. Uh, So that's empowerment. We have um, increasing positive emotions. That was one that was a surprising factor for her because all of the the people that were researched focused on making sure every single day they had, you know, five minutes or more of making a conscious effort to increase positivity, whether that was through gratitude or whether it was through doing something fun or funny, increasing laughter. It was a really powerful healing tool. And it really helps boost your immune system, right? Correct. Yes. All of these factors, while no one of them can be say that it's kind of curative, all these factors together are immune boosting. And that's where the science kind of backs the, uh, the research that she did with the interviews is that they're all backed by vetted peer-reviewed research. And it's important to know that, um, you know, I'll just make that statement here. Radical remission research was done on people who had not had conventional medicine in their healing. They may have had it and it failed and then they were sent home on hospice, but then they found healing outside of it. The Radical Remission Project is not against conventional medicine at all. These are things that can be done with or without it, uh, depending on what anybody's treatment preference is. We're not encouraging anyone to kind of go one way or the other. This is just information that they can take and add into their healing plan personally. Perfect. Yes. Good. Okay. So the next one, following your intuition, that is a really interesting healing factor. One of my favorites to teach in the workshop because the science is just, it seems almost scary or, you know, very um, unbelievable, miraculous. So I'll, I'll leave that as a teaser <laughs> if anyone wants to yeah. read the book. But our intuition is, a, is part of our bodies and we have to learn and how to hone into connecting with it. So, you know, it's, it's part of our brain, but it's also felt in our gut. So we want to make sure that they're connected. And even though they can act independently of each other, the more we can live in harmony with those two areas of our body, the more likely we will kind of feel aligned with you know, the path we choose. Well, it just brings me to the next question. And how do people trust their intuition? I know people have a hard time with that. I mean, I often tell people, 
if you have an expansive feeling, then that is your gut speaking to you that that you're making the right decision. But people question it so much. Yeah. Do you have any any tips on that? You know, I think that's probably one of the biggest obstacles with this factor. And just leaning in, I would say the more educated people can become on intuition, maybe by doing some of re- reading some of the studies that exist, realizing that you know, this was how we, we we evolved from using our intuition. And since then, we logic has kind of come in, in its place. So if we can really get in touch with our bodies, the indicators are our sweat glands, our racing heart, you know, how, our, how we feel in our gut and our stomach, you know, are we nervous? Is there an emotion there? And the more you can connect those physical feelings with if you're leaning a certain direction, some people are really in tune with that and can completely guide their decisions on that. You know, there's a fair amount of people in the world that logic is really loud. So having the opportunity to to sit quietly, whether it's through meditation or just in silence and really listen, we don't do enough of that in this culture. And providing the space for that to be heard is kind of really the secret. Mm, And and sometimes people they could hear a voice. I've heard that before, that they actually hear a voice. Yes. She was fascinated when she was doing the research, Dr. Turner, um, fascinated that people said after they heard the, you know, they got the words, you have cancer. They, some of them immediately started hearing an intuitive voice speaking to them. And they kind of were like, what, what's going on here? But as she researched, she found, you know, there were many people that had that sort of thing. Sometimes people will have intuitive dreams. Uh, We like to offer different modalities, even just through journaling, that you can just free write, you know, kind of have a question in mind and just free write and don't have any expectations or guide it, just see what comes out and then go back and read with that and and sit with it and see how it feels. Mm. So there are lots of tools. Yeah. Yeah. That I always think that journaling is so powerful. Yeah. It, it, I just, it relaxes me too, which I think is such a big, important thing to relax your nervous system. Right. And it's not for everybody, right? And there's, I know plenty of people that are very adverse to it, but, you know, even taking, taking pen to paper itself is really powerful. So even just writing words, just bullet point, it doesn't have to be this big emotional dump. If that's not for you, just writing down words that come up and then, you know, you can obviously read them back and kind of start to connect the dots with your logic um, if you need to. But um, but there's there's really a lot of things that, that can be done to access the intuition. But I think sitting quietly and doing some kind of activity, whether like we just talked about journaling or meditating really are helpful. Yeah. Well, thank you. And then what is after intuition? After intuition is the one most people struggle with releasing suppressed emotions. <laughs> Yeah. When I do, when I work with clients, I'll usually start the conversation with, look at this list, which ones are the hardest and which ones are the easiest. And without fail, that one comes up almost every hundred percent of the time. Um, And that could just be our culture. You know, the fact that we live in a very fast paced world and um, we're always kind of trying to catch up rather than just living in a state of kind of rest and restore. Um, but releasing suppressed emotions, it's an interesting factor. It covers things like stress, but it also covers things like nostalgia. 
and living in the past, having, um, oh, remember when, you know, we were in college and this was like the best time of my life. I just wish I could live there again. And, and then really your physical body feels that yearning. So releasing it and thinking of it as a memory, a very fond memory, but that being happy where you are in your presence is really important as far as releasing some of that kind of emotional blockage that gets built up. Oh, that's, that's so interesting because I never thought of that, thinking about the past not being such a good thing. But if you feel if you're stuck in it, if you're stuck in your past, that's when it becomes. Yeah, I think when you yearn for another time, that be kind kind of becomes stuck. And then also things like traumas that we've all, you know, everybody has their version of what trauma is uh, in their life. We've all had it on different levels and it can get stuck and it doesn't always have to be really, really big things. So just making sure that we take the time again to acknowledge it, feel it, and then release it because it's so easy to just kind of put it on a shelf and compartmentalize and never really get back to facing it later. And that's where it gets stuck. Yeah. And then what's next? And after that, we have two more, uh, having strong reasons for living. Really, really fascinating one. And that kind of goes with purpose, but we propose it when we do the workshop, we spin it as kind of the opposite of depression. So the definition of depression is not having the will to live, right? So the opposite, having a strong reason for living, having really strong reasons to be on this planet and be in our bodies and, you know, whatever that looks like could be, it's absolutely different for everyone. Um, but that having one, it doesn't really matter what it is, as long as you have something that really contributes to a lot of longevity, that really matters. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So in a coaching session, I mean, do you have them write down what their big why is or their, their reason for, for living? Yeah. I'm just wondering how you incorporate these healing factors in a coaching session. Yeah. Well, it really kind of depends on, you know, everybody's so, so different and their interpretation of it is so different, but specifically with this factor, strong reasons for living, uh, we will look at looking at things that really matter to you in the short term and then what are really important things to you in the long term and then how do they align so how do we and you know obviously it's a lot more detailed than that but the, that's the the gist is uh, something i really like to have people do is imagine that you are at the end of your life you know however late that's going to be maybe it's 120 just to like make you feel really comfortable that it's not now or soon um, and then think back from that age all the way to now. And what are the little things, maybe break it out by decade or by five year, and what do you want to get accomplished by the time you're at that very, very end, whenever that is. And it helps people think, you know, oh, well, if I'm going to be 60 in, you know, however many years in the next 15 years, I want to accomplish this between 60 and 70, then I want to do this, 70 and 80, and kind of breaking it out so that, it's not just one big lump of time and really thinking about what you would like to be able to do during those pieces of periods of your life. And, and that's something that I personally like to do because we often think back, like, what did we like to do when we were young? But I like to think about, you know, if you think about from the very end till today, what more do you want? And sometimes that can kind of get the juices flowing and the creativity. 
Yeah, I love that. And, you know, it's visualization. Yeah. And when you picture what what good things can happen, good things do happen. So yes, yep. Focus on grows, right? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. That law of attraction is is real. I think the more, you know, people have different perspectives on how to manifest or manifestation. And really the way I can, I, I like to simplify it for people who aren't, you know, super maybe woo woo, <laughs> if you want to go that, call it that. But just thinking about the more often you think of something, the more present it stays in your mind and you're going to make decisions in your life that are going to guide you toward that. So it it can be a very practical tool and it also can be, you know, really something really fun and and you can kind of let your creativity and your imagination let you go go wild on that as well. Yeah. And did you do the last factor? Last factor is increasing social support. So making sure that you have support in some way that works for your through your definition of what that is. It could be that you really need to just have two solid people that understand you or some people need to have, you know, 5000 Facebook friends uh, that they can put everything out there to and, and get their their hits and their their support from comments. It really depends on the person and what that means. But it's you know, science proves over and over and over again that this is a really, really healing, strong, strong healing factor for everyone, making sure that you have a support system. Yeah. And no, these are not in any order, correct? Correct. Yep. Correct. Okay. Okay. I wanted to make sure people realize that, that there's not one that's more important than the other. Right. Yeah. And I was wondering what factors do you see clients struggling with the most? I mean, I know you mentioned uh, releasing stored emotions, right? Was one of them. Yep. I think uh, maybe it is interesting to to kind of meet people where they are. So some people feel like they're really behind on a specific in a specific area, and they might be more you know more developed in that factor than anyone I've ever talked to. Uh, but it's it's really about how important it feels to them. Uh, some people may not have any issue with having a completely plant-based diet. And then the next person you talk to doesn't even like any vegetables. So it really depends. It's just one example um, of the, you know, the spectrum that you get. But I would say that probably having strong reasons for living and that purpose one can be a little overwhelming for people. And especially after getting a diagnosis, they're so present in the moment of what needs to get done that it's really hard and sometimes really emotional to think about time because they feel like they may not have it. But we're kind of here to say that, you know, no one's taking away from you right this minute. So what would you want? What do you want? And really allow your allow people to open up to the idea that there is a future. Mm. Yeah, it's just, it just brings so much hope. And again, you know, feeling empowered. Yes. And I think that's so important. And that's really what the book is all about. Yeah. Yeah. I can't tell you how many people, you know, they'll contact us and they'll say, I carry this around with me everywhere I go. And I just, I need to read it or it gives me peace. And years, these people carry this, these book, these books around with them just for the purposes of reminding them constantly that there is you know, there are people out there that can heal and they're going to be one of them.
The tumor is only a symptom of cancer, not the cause. Hello, I'm Dr. Michael Carlfeld. I'm the owner of the Carlfeld Center in Meridian, Idaho. We specialize in cutting edge integrative oncology care, addressing the cause and not just the symptom of cancer. There are 11 factors you need to address when diagnosed with cancer. To learn more of what they are, get my free ebook when you visit thecarfoldcenter.com. Along with the ebook, I will email you a free webinar series where world-renowned specialists will tell you what you need to do to address these 11 factors. You'll hear from experts like Jane McLellan, Dr. Paul Anderson, Dr. Neil McKinney, Dr. William Lee, Dr. Nasha Winters, and Dr. Isaac Elias. Don't miss out on this life-saving information. I also offer a free 15-minute cancer consult where we can go over where you are at in your cancer journey and how the cutting-edge therapies we offer can benefit you. Give the Carful Center call at 208-338-8902 or visit our website at thecarfulcenter.com. I would love just to go into a little bit about the Radical Remission Project. And, you know, you mentioned that you do work with clients to go over all these factors. But if you could just talk about what you do a little more. Absolutely. So the Radical Remission Project itself originally was derived to, you know, connect people to the information in the books. And at the same time, as the workshop was created, Dr. Turner uh, has an undergrad from Harvard, and Harvard connected back with her and said, we'd really love to research your workshop. We want to see the benefits and if they stick after the person leaves the workshop. And we're finding now more and more, the research is, is going to be released in the next six months publicly in a journal, but ultimately we're finding that there are some significant takeaways at even the one month and six month mark post-workshop on how valuable these lifestyle changes are for people in their in their treatment plan for themselves. Uh-huh. So research is one aspect. And then also really it's about connecting people around the world with coaches. So we have a teacher training that we do. We train people to become coaches. And these are people, everyone from, you know, MDs and integrative doctors and therapists. We have occupational therapists and physical therapists and coaches. And um, so really lots of different medical and mental health professionals, but also lots of health coaches and different people that want to infuse these 10 factors into their practice with the people that they work with. So that training is really important to us. And um, that's, we actually have one coming up um, in the fall. So every fall we do a, we do a teacher training and then we add those people to our website and then people can come to the Radical Remission website, RadicalRemission.com, and f- connect with either a coach or a workshop if they want to take a workshop or, you know, kind of go through the factors with someone one-on-one they can. Oh, that's so incredible. And the workshop, is that like a one-day workshop or how does that work? So the workshop is, a, I would say, no less than 10 hours. It is a, it can be presented over the course of a weekend. A lot of times in person, we'll do it in over the course of the weekend at a retreat center or just, you know, locally where each of the coaches are located. We do a lot of virtual work. My my in my practice, we do all of our 
workshops virtually throughout the year. And then we'll do a couple of of retreat centers periodically, but we'll do five week workshops where people are on zoom for two hours at a clip. And they kind of build a lot of community within that never, ever ceases to amaze me how emotionally connected people can become on zoom. Mm. So I would not, if, you know, if your listeners have had hesitation to connect that way, it is really can be very healing. And, you you know, I've, I've worked with people. I have a, a group that's been going for 18 months, these same core women, and they're really, really close to each other. And they connect every single week and they just keep in touch and keep supporting each other. And the the they're great friends. You know, they really keep tabs on, you know, what everybody's doing. And it's that in itself is its own social support and network. Oh, yes. I mean, so beautiful. And, you know, they have an understanding of each other. Yes. Yes. They might be from different backgrounds, but they have that one thing in common. Yes. So nice. They can support each other that way. Yeah. And what I love about the workshop is it does not matter what kind of diagnosis you have. It doesn't matter. Maybe you don't even have a diagnosis, right? These factors apply to everyone, but it doesn't matter what stage you have. If you are not a cancer patient, we do a lot of work with people with autoimmune disorders or really just, we kind of like to blanket it by saying people with life-changing or life-altering diagnoses and those who love them. <laughs> so That's amazing. And that's like everyone, right? Yeah. I mean, everyone has things that they're struggling with and dealing with. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So the workshop being virtual uh, is, is makes it more accessible. We have them so that people all over the world, you never know who's going to be in your workshop because they could be from anywhere in the entire world and um, English being the common denominator for the workshops I run, but radical remission is, is translated into 22 languages and we have coaches all over the world. So if people want to to do stuff in language other than than English, there there are absolutely options for that. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah. And I was curious, which healing factors do you personally work on the most? I would say probably empowerment is one and maybe spiritual connection. I feel like my my version of spiritual connection is not religious based. It is more about um, meditation and finding quiet space with to find gratitude and to really reflect. So for me, it's it's not the actual practice that's hard. It's finding the time and prioritizing it. So that I think is is probably why people designate Sunday right for their spiritual practice if they're if they're following kind of that church or the the classic Christian path they have their have their Sundays and then other uh you know spiritual religions have different days of the week that they designate as their day when you don't follow a traditional religion it's important for you to provide yourself with the right accountability and so that's one of the things that I think I I'm always kind of renewing that that pattern and making sure that I'm staying on track yeah i mean i think People do struggle with spirituality because they say or they think, oh, I'm not spiritual, but they, it seems like they're looking at it as more religious, like you say. So what you're saying is look for your big purpose. What is, what are your passions and and go from there? Yeah. I think it's acknowledging that 
there's a world out there much bigger than ourselves. So when you see those pictures of people like this little tiny person in this huge mountain range, you know, how do you feel if you're that person and you're looking and it's awe, right? So that that feeling of awe or, you know, for me, sometimes it's just sitting in in a room and hearing a bunch of little kids start giggling. And that, you know, that like feeling of that really strong feeling of love that you can feel toward um, another person, that overwhelming feeling of, you know, maybe being in awe at your emotion towards something. So those are little ways that I connect. So gratitude can really help with that if people are looking for a way to get started. Just having time and looking back across your day and thinking about, you know, maybe what what one thing gave you that pause of awe? What made you really, there has to be one point every single day that you got to find something good. <laughs> and even if you have to really look for it, it could be that, you know, your shoes stayed tied. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it doesn't really matter what it is. It just has to feel valuable to you. And, um, and then really appreciating and finding gratitude for it. So that's how I think it's a, an easy and easier way to start with spiritual connection because then it just gets you in that mindset of positivity and they start tapping into that increasing positive emotions factor. Yeah. yeah. So right, Sometimes these simple, simple things just help us so much, and we don't even realize. We just don't realize that. Yeah, you think about gratitude, but you don't you don't know how much it can help. Right. Yes. I'm so glad you brought that up. Yeah. And I I did want to ask you about, because this is, like you said, too, people struggle with it, the emotional aspect. Because one, a lot of times people don't want to feel their feelings because they feel bad. I mean, it doesn't feel good to feel bad, right? Right. I was just curious, how do you work with people on their emotions? What, What helps them get rid of their repressed emotions? Yeah, I think what we start with always is I am not a mental health professional. I'm a health coach. So if someone is having real, true mental health concerns, we always make sure that they have a therapist that they can connect with. We have lots of resources and trying to make sure that they do connect with someone so that they have someone holding them in that space. And if they're having, like, there's trauma or there's depression or anxiety um, at the clinical level, it's very, very important and very, we have to be responsible with that and making sure that they're in the right hands. So at no point do we, as health coaches, take ownership of um, things outside of our scope. (laughs) It is a responsibility that we, we stay in our lane. And a lot of times that's just with accountability and listening. So I think for, to answer your question, releasing suppressed emotions, a lot of times it's just sitting and listening. And then what I do a lot of times is I'll, I'll repeat back to them. Oh, did you know you said this one word a lot today, or you keep beating yourself up or, you know, and just bringing it to their attention. I'm not, I'm not trying to, to judge or make them feel a certain way about it. It's just like, here is something that I've observed And then we'll have a conversation about that. So we'll let them kind of, oh, wow, I didn't even realize I said uh, I'm so stupid. I'm so stupid. You know, it's just little, little tiny words. And it's really important to choose our words and make sure that if we have the power of awareness of what those words are that are coming out, making that shift to just say, wow, that I really forgot 
that, you know, rather than saying, I'm so stupid, I forgot this, you can just say, oh, I forgot this. So taking out the the little anecdotes that can also kind of hit our, our hearts, even, you know, in a negative way. Yeah, I mean, just showing ourselves self-compassion, right? Self-love. Yes. Yep. I do a lot of work in self-compassion and boundary setting. Those are two really big pieces of concepts that I feel are really kind of undervalued or maybe not undervalued, but underrated. The power of those two things are um, they can change a person. They really can. Hmm. Yeah, I'm so glad you mentioned that about boundaries, because that is so true. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of people who I I work with, they're people pleasers. And I know I was a people pleaser for sure. Yep. And setting those boundaries is not always easy. Oh, no, it is not. And I'll tell you, I'll tell your audience a group, a book that I absolutely adore for this is uh, Setting Boundaries Will Set You Free by Nancy Levin. It is so good for people who are terrified of boundaries. <laughs> so it walks you through the whole process, identifying what where boundaries are needed, and then how to go ahead and implement them and doing it softly in the beginning so that you get practice. But it's a fantastic resource for people. And the reason I'm so passionate about boundaries is when you think about these lifestyle changes that we're talking with our clients about, these 10 factors if you don't set boundaries, then it's going to be really hard to implement them. Mm. You know, someone, you know, you want to have diet change and everyone in your house is kind of a junk food junkie and there's candy and chocolate and lots of, you know, piles of meat and dairy when you're trying to reduce your, you know, your input on that area. It can be really challenging. So making sure that you have your own little cupboard and you have the strength within, whether it's through your coach or or through your support group, to make sure that you feel that you have your space and you can set a boundary to protect yourself from whatever else might be going on. That's just one scenario. Oh, that is so great. Thank you for that example. And also the resource. I love yeah. being able to give resources to people. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So you brought a diet and I just want you to touch on what you are, you know, radical remission recommends people. And I'm sure unprocessed foods, yeah, that kind of stuff. I don't know if there's anything specific. Yeah. And um, again, we just report back what the research says, right? So what the research has shown from the cases that Dr. Turner researched is no matter what, whether you're on the keto end or you're on the plant-based end or Mediterranean or somewhere in between, having half your plate be fruits or vegetables and for every meal and every snack was really how these people chose to eat and having filtered water. The trick with the rest of it is we have this kind of little saying, we reduce, they all reduced or eliminated meat, wheat, sweets, and dairy. So meat, we say if if you choose to have meat in your diet, it's very important that it's clean, it's well sourced, and that it's you know as organic if possible, um, as clean as you possibly can get it. Right. Right. So the wheat aspect, just because it rhymes, wheat equals processed foods. So um, gluten can be uh, inflammatory for a lot of people, and so that's kind of where wheat comes in. But really. It equals all the packaged foods that we buy and snacks that come in, you know, little tiny bags and <laughs> full of oils and sugars and unknown ingredients that you can't read when you're reading the ingredients. You don't know what they are. That 
you know, kind of counts as a, you know, the processed foods. And then sweets is reducing or eliminating sugar, refined sugars. So if you're someone who has that sweet tooth, finding other ways to fill that, whether it's through really great in-season fruit, or do you choose to use like a maple syrup or a honey that's got less of a glycemic spike? So making specific choices, and then we do a lot of work around mindset. So making sure that people aren't saying, oh, I can't have that anymore. It's I choose not to do that. So I want my, you know, if you if you say, you know, I want this body to be really healthy, it's very different than being than saying, I don't want to be sick. You know, there's two ways of looking at it. Exactly. Yes. It's just so much more empowering. Yes. Yes. You know, saying I want to do this to feed my body healthy foods, not I can't have this anymore. Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Plenty of people have said, you know, their, their partner, they'll be, you know, they're eventually with diet change, there becomes a break where somebody just gets really frustrated and wants to just derail the whole thing. And, and I remember somebody saying, you know, just eat the damn cookie. (laughs) And it wasn't about the cookie. It was about the, the whole, you know, giving up of things and the sacrifice. A lot of these lifestyle changes require sacrifice and that's not easy. And that's where the support comes in, whether it's through a best friend who's willing to kind of either make you a meal or show up to take a walk with you or listen to you when you cry. Sometimes it, you know, a lot of times with coaching, we'll say, give us that so that you can be a wife or a husband, you can be a parent, you can be a sibling, and you don't have to tell them about the scary stuff. And that's the role I played with my sister. She would call me up and tell me all her fears. And it was, it was my crash course into the job I do now. Um, And that's what kind of, I think, trained me to be able to kind of communicate with people in this way, just be really open to meeting them wherever they are, mm -hmm. because it it isn't easy and it can be scary. Right. Right. Just like you said, it's just so important to, to have that support. Yeah. Uh, So just before we get into random round, are there any last words of advice that you want to leave with the audience or anything about, you know, Radical Remission Project or what you're doing? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Um, On the RadicalRemission.com website, again, you can find coaches over there. I'm on there with my, um, my bio and my calendar. You can always connect with me there. My private practice is the Health Navigators, and that is where I do my actual coaching wear the radical remission director hat with the day-to-day with the training and the coordination. But uh, as far as connecting with my practice, I am, I am a health navigator and that's where we'll have all of our, our workshops and coaching groups. And we have a membership that we offer for people to kind of build community for people that are like-minded that follow these 10 healing factors. And we always call them, we call them our inspired thrivers because they're always thinking of ahead at, you know, looking forward and not kind of just, what was me? Where, what can I do now? Well, we have the answer. We know what you can do now and how can we support each other through that? So that's um, really the, the roots of, of my practice. And I'd love to welcome anyone to reach out if they're interested in learning more, we can certainly connect there. Radicalremission.com is an amazing resource for people to reach coaches everywhere in the world that they might be. Mm, That's so great. I love that term inspired thrivers. Yes. (laughs) I was like, oh, I love that. (laughs) Yeah, they are. They're, I mean, they're all thriving. 
you know, they're not just surviving, they're thriving. And we want, and they're, these people are very inspired and they're inspiring. They motivate each other. They, sometimes they need the motivation, but there's always someone there that can offer that little extra boost of um, support because they walk in similar shoes. Yeah, exactly. Now, are you ready for random round? I am ready. Fill in the blank. Freedom to you is? Nature. The last show you binged and loved? I'm watching the show Billions right now, actually. <laughs> my husband's, uh, my husband roped me into it. It's, it's an old one, I think, but it's, it's entertaining. Hmm. I never heard of that one. I'll have to look it up. <laughs> when you're feeling afraid, what do you do? I have this little trick. It's a little kind of very short meditation. It's uh, five senses. So I think of the five senses and I think of five things that I can touch, four things that I can hear, three things that I can see, two things that I can smell, one thing that I can taste. And usually by the time I get to the third thing, I'm, I'm moved on from whatever it is. Great. If you can have a one-hour discussion with someone past or present, who would it be and why? Uh, Andrew Weil, Dr. Andrew Weil, the, you know, father of integrative medicine. I think he has an interesting story to tell and he looks like Santa. So, I mean, I kind of feel like he's just going to be this really cool guy to, to get to know and learn and just learn about his experience and what got him to where he is. I love that because when I first got on my healing journey after I was finished with treatment, his was the first book I, I picked up. Yep. Yeah. He's phenomenal. What is your favorite go-to snack? I'm kind of a fruit eater. I kind of, I'm always, you know, I'll, I'll grab an apple in a pinch if I'm on the go, but otherwise I'm I'm a, a berries and grapes kind of girl. <laughs> what is one simple thing that brings you joy? Doing stuff with my kids that I know they actually like and I like at the same time. <laughs> we just did a, a float down the Delaware River this past weekend and everybody was smiling and happy at the end and totally exhausted, but blissfully so. And, and it was really, that was one of those days where I was kind of felt like everybody was happy. So I, it made me happy. Yeah, that's the best. What is on your nightstand? Books and a glass of water. <laughs> any book that you haven't mentioned anything different well i am always getting lots of books to read about people with great cancer stories and i would say one of the coolest people that i've met with a great story actually i have the book right here if you'd like me to pull it out it's called the wild cure by one of our fellow coaches dean hall and he has a really incredible healing story. I'll let I'll leave it at that and let you all kind of look him up. But he's also a radical remission uh, teacher and coach. And what a really inspirational guy. Oh, that's great. Yeah. What is your favorite form of exercise? Well, I am an, a triathlete some years, not right now, but I do really enjoy all those elements, running, riding, and swimming. What is one thing you're really grateful for in your life right now? My sister's kids. I just went on a trip and my sister's kids, my sister who passed kids were there. And that was an exceptional uh, time to have 10 days with them and really get to see them as they're young adults now. And it was, that was pretty special. 
Oh, how nice. Yeah. Well, Liz, thank you so much. This was such a pleasure. And I love the work you're doing. I love the Radical Remission Projects. And I know the audience is going to get so much value. So thank you so much for being on. No, absolutely. Thank you so much for having us and, and letting us share more about this. That's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. Doing so will really help this podcast get noticed and will help us to inspire more people. And remember, the sky is the limit when you take your power back when it comes to your health.